Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Church of LaGrange. What an honor it is to have you listening to our church broadcast today. We hope that as you listen along, following in your Bible, that you experience the grace and presence of Christ just as strongly as we do every Sunday in our worship service. May God truly bless you as you listen. You guys know that we are in a capital campaign called Forward in Faith. And you really know that even before I got here, uh, that you as a church had decided to, to buy this property. <clears throat> you had built a building. Some unfortunate weather had uh, prevented us from moving forward with that. So we began to figure out what to do. And then, uh, man, we had to make a huge decision to move forward in faith and to rebuild. And then once that started, we just kept building. And uh, man, the things that you see out here now are all because of God. God has done what, man, you could never even possibly imagine. God has done some impossible things. To even get us to where we're at today, do you believe that, church? Do you believe that God has really done some impossible things? Do you? Okay, well, at least that's five of you. We we can work. I got five witnesses. It's going to be all right. Um, Here's something that you may not know. You, You know that a couple of months ago, weeks ago, that we took a vote to sell our buildings downtown because we had a potential buyer. Man, I want you to know that, that every single day, uh, without fail, I, that I can remember, man, that I have prayed diligently for God to sell those buildings. I know many of you have too. I've prayed with some of you. And we've just been begging the Lord to do what seemed to be impossible. How do you move a building like that in a small town like ours. I mean, it's a monumental task to sell an old church property to begin with, but to do so in a little town like ours is almost unheard of. But I'm here today to tell you, man, that our God is the God of impossibilities because probably within a few days, even as early as the 7th of January, we will probably have had a close of sale on that property that's downtown. That's something that only God can do. That's something that only God can do. See, he takes what is impossible and he makes it him possible. If you remember, we're in this series in the book of Ruth and unfortunately, to your, I know, dismay, this will be the last sermon we preach this year out of the book of Ruth. And then next year, uh, man, praise God, we'll start off with some vision and then Pastor Justin will preach a great message on belonging, I mean, becoming and about our growth groups and that kind of things. And then we're going to start a 56 message series on the book of 1 Corinthians in next year, if the Lord tarries. I pray that Jesus would come. Amen. <laughs> like, even so, come Lord Jesus. But here we are, and we're in this book of Ruth, and we kind of picked up last time. We're talking about But Ruth and Naomi and Boaz were in an impossible situation. I don't know if you've really had a lot of time to think about it, but in that culture, to be husbandless was basically a death sentence. The husband was the one who kind of provided everything and kind of did everything, and, and, and women weren't so highly valued as much in the culture, although they were from the Bible. And so here we have Naomi who has lost her husband and her two sons. And we have Ruth who has lost her husband, which happened to be one of Naomi's sons. 
We've got these two women that are in dire straits. Naomi is too old, really, to do anything else. And Naomi is a foreigner. So she really doesn't stand a shot. And there's going to have to be something done in an impossible way for them to even really live. We picked up last time that we said that God is the God of impossibilities. He takes impossible things and makes them impossible. I want to say something to you that I didn't plan on saying, but I feel led of the Spirit to tell you this today. Um, Because I just need to brag on the Lord a little bit. (laughs) Y'all all right if I do that? Well, I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) Here's the deal. Yesterday, I went to visit, last week, I'm sorry, I went to visit someone. I won't tell you who, I won't even tell you if they're a member of our church. Went to visit them, and they were talking about a lot of things, and and I could just sense the discouragement in their heart about the overwhelming nature of some financial responsibilities that they had. And so as I was there, I just happened to see a stack of papers And I just said, hey, before I left, can can we pray? But can I put my hand on those papers and put my hand on you? Because I'm just believing that God's going to do something amazing. And I'm just going to pray that God would bless you beyond your imagination. That was around 1231 o'clock in the afternoon. While I'm praying that prayer, there's another conversation happening in a home here in the Grange. And while I'm praying that prayer, these other people are saying, you know, we've been blessed with a financial gift, and we're wondering to whom we should give it. When I get home, these people call me, and they say, hey, we want to give some money to help someone that's in dire need. Do you know of anybody? (laughs) I said, I sure do. Well, they wrote a check. I don't even want to tell you where they live. I don't even tell you. You don't even need to know. But I want you to know this. It'll help that person with what they thought was impossible. It's going to help them see that when you think that you're in an impossible situation, everything is impossible with the Lord God. Amen. That's the God that we're talking. That's right. Give God some glory. Amen. Praise the Lord. Guys, I'm just trying to listen. I want you to know this with all my heart. God just doesn't do that stuff for me and for other people that I've prayed for. God will do that for anybody. His heart is to do the impossible in your life. So I want us to stand together as we read. I'm going to be back in Ruth chapter 4, Ruth chapter 4. And I just want you to hear this impossible situation and how it's coming together as we go back to Ruth chapter 4. We read verses 1 through 12 last time. But I'm going to read them again, and then we're going to pick up. So this is going to be a lengthy kind of a reading. But here's what I know about God's Word. It's alive and active, amen? And and if I didn't say anything today, that'd be okay. But when the book says something, man, things happen, amen? So you better just get ready to get blessed because the Word, the living Word, is about to be proclaimed. So let's turn our eyes and our heart's attention to this book. The Bible says, now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the close relative of whom Boaz spoke was passing by. So he said, hey, turn aside, friend, and sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. He took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, hey, sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the closest relative, Naomi, who has come back from the land of Moab, has to sell the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. 
So I thought to inform you, saying, buy it before those who are sitting here and before the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am after you. And he said, I'll redeem it. Then Boaz said, well, on the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also acquire Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of the deceased, in order to raise up the name of the deceased on his inheritance. The closest relative said, well, I can't redeem it for myself because I would jeopardize my own inheritance. Redeem it for yourself. You may have my right of redemption, for I cannot redeem it. Now, this was the custom in the former times in Israel concerning the redemption and exchange of land to confirm any matter. A man removed his sandal and gave it to another, and this was the manner of attestation in Israel. So the closest relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you were witnesses today that I brought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech, and all that belonged to Chilion and Mahlon. Moreover, I required Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Mahlon, to be my wife in order to raise up the name of the deceased on his inheritance, so that the name of the deceased will not be cut off from his brothers or from the court of his birthplace, your witnesses today. And all the people who were in the court and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, both of whom built the house of Israel, and may you achieve wealth in Ephrathah and become famous in Bethlehem. Moreover, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah through the offspring which the Lord will give you by this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. Oh, happy day. (laughs) And he went into her. And the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today, and may his name become famous in Israel. May he also be to you a restorer of life and sustainer of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her lap and became his nurse. The neighbor women gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. So they named him Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. To Perez was born Hezron. And to Hezron was born Ram. And to Ram, Amenadab. And to Amenadab was born Nashon. And to Nashon, Salmon. And to Salmon was born Boaz. And to Boaz, Obed. And to Obed was born Jesse. And to Jesse, David. You may be seated. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Last time we talked about this, then we're waiting on for God to do this thing called the impossible There's some things that we need to to just kind of keep in mind. The first thing was that we learned that God may bless beyond your intercession. I don't know if you remember, I don't have time to go back over it, but Naomi was the one who had been praying and set forth this plan, and Boaz was actually the one who had said, may the Lord God bless you, Ruth. 
May you come under the shadow of his wings. And here's what happened, man. God began to bless that intercession on behalf of those people. And one of the things that we learn is is in that time when we're praying for God to bless beyond even what we pray, we have to focus on character no matter the consequences. We talked about that Boaz focused upon his character of being the right person and doing the right thing no matter the consequences. There was a man who came up, and in the Hebrew, his name literally is Mr. So-and-so, Mr. No-Name. It's a sign of his character. He has no character, therefore he has no name. And and Mr. So-and-so didn't want to do the right thing because it might infect his inheritance. Well, Boaz knew that if, if if he did the right thing, it may cost him Ruth. So Boaz was teaching us that, man, we focus on our character. No matter the consequences, God always blesses character, amen? He just blesses character. Then we talked about that we have to focus on commitment no matter the cost. Mr. So-and-so has said, hey, you know what? I can't do it. Now that it looks like it's going to cost me something, I can't do that. And Boaz says, you know what? I made a commitment to this woman. And I told her that if I could redeem her, I would. And I am making the commitment. I am coming through. If you can't do it, I'm going to do it. And it cost him. It cost him quite a bit to repurchase this land and to make this Moabitess his wife. We focus on commitment no matter the cost because God may bless beyond our intercession. Here's something new today. God may bless beyond your inclinations. God may bless beyond even your inclinations. We read this morning in the text that Boaz marries Ruth. The long-anticipated mission impossible love story is complete. Or really is it? I mean, God's been gracious to Ruth, but what about Naomi? I mean, what about the rest of her story? When we left Naomi, the women had said, hey, Naomi. And she said, no, don't call me Naomi. You call me Mara. Don't call me pleasant. You call me bitter. Because that's who I am. And that's exactly where she was. She was broken. She was completely devastated. She was completely just undone. And she's like, don't call me great names. You call me what I am. I'm bitter. So will she go from broken to blessed? Can the impossible be impossible for her too? If you remember, Naomi had put put together a plan to bless Ruth, and she had an inclination that God was going to bless her because he would bless Ruth. So by that, she began to hope in the Lord again. And what Naomi teaches us is simply this, to expect the Lord's blessings. To expect the Lord's blessings. Look there in verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. You see, Boaz and Ruth marry and they come together and immediately, which is the impression, but it's not, she's pregnant. And note the text says that the Lord enabled her to conceive. Did y'all hear that? Now, Now, I know this ain't Sanctity of Life Sunday, but can I just tell you this? That life comes from God. He is the author of life and that all life matters to God because all life comes from God. But months are compressed in a single verse. And then in verse 14, the Bible says, the women said to Naomi, blessed is the Lord who's not left you without a redeemer. I think that that's interesting. Remember Naomi, which her name means beautiful, pleasant. She came into the city and she said, hey, y'all call me Mara, which means bitter. 
But do you see what's happened? The Lord now has brought her from broken to blessed, from bitter to being better because the impossible has happened. The women speak to Naomi, which is interesting. We don't hear another word from Ruth. Now the focus is back on Naomi where it began in the very first chapter because now she's moving from broken to to blessed, from bitter to being better in the blessings of God. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. You have been given a redeemer. Everything, everything has changed. Naomi has expected her God, the God of Israel, to bless and to redeem. That's why she put together the plan, and now God has blessed her beyond what she even thought he was going to do. Verse 15, the Bible says this, may he also be a restorer of life. Do you understand that she had lost everything? All of her beloved, all the people that mattered to her, she had lost, and now God says, may he also be to you a restorer of life and a sustainer of your old age. That mattered in that culture for an old woman who was unmarried. That's what God does because that's who he is. He's given a redeemer, Boaz. And this one's name will become famous. That's why we're talking about it today. The Lord will bless and restore you and take care of you in your old age with a grandson. How many of you know grandchildren are just that, a blessing, amen? And then when they're not, you just send them back home, right? That's what happens, amen? He says, then, then watch this. I don't know if you caught it when I was reading it, but, but do you see this? The Bible says there that, the, that, that Ruth, the one who loves you, do y'all see that there? Ruth, the one who loves you, your daughter-in-law who loves you. This is interesting because in, in Leviticus 19, verse 34, The Bible says this, it says, the stranger who dwells among you shall be to you as one born among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Now, in Leviticus 19, verse 34, it says, and you shall love the stranger as yourself. But isn't it interesting that Ruth is the one loving the Israelite as herself? I just think that's super interesting. Ruth, the Bible says there, that she is going to be better to you than seven sons. That's crazy. Verse 15, the one who loves you and is better to you than seven sons. That's just absolutely amazing to me. I have to speak to your heart just for a minute. Because I I know that that even just mentioning the, the fact that some here would hear that that the Lord blessed her with the ability to conceive, and there are some who struggle with the idea of conception. They just can't become pregnant. I know our church body has been touched by sometimes you've given birth or you've been in birth and you've had miscarriages or you've birthed a child and lost them in those very early days. And so, so can I just tell you that sometimes when we want children, even when we lose them, just like Naomi did, can I just share with you that, that the Lord cannot replace those things, but he certainly can replenish. There were big dreams, and they wanted them really bad. And there are just some things. Naomi couldn't have more children. It was just the fact. But God could bless her through someone else 
with someone that would be better to her than seven sons. I just need you to know this, that the Lord can do the impossible in ways that you never dared dream or imagine. Naomi had some inclinations about when she put together this plan, but she was blessed beyond those inclinations because she expected the God of Israel to bless, but then also she teaches not to expect the Lord's blessings, but to enjoy the Lord's blessings. To enjoy them, verse 16, the Bible says this, and then Naomi took the child and laid him in her lap and became his nurse. That's awesome. She's fulfilled. She's just full again. She's a grandmother, and now she's helping taking care of her grandson. And Ruth can look into her eyes and see that joy has returned. She is enjoying God's blessing. Verse 17, the Bible says, the neighbor women came, and they're all like, woohoo, look, here's this. The son has been born. So they named him Obed. That's just awesome. The they there doesn't mean to the women of the city. It means to the family. And Obed's name means servant. You see, Obed will be the father of Jesse, who's the father of David. And all of Bethlehem is enjoying this celebration of a son being born in Bethlehem. You know what that's pointing to, don't you? There's another son going to be born in Bethlehem. Amen? Here's something that I've just learned through the years. I read this story about a man named Jack. Jack was driving on a dark country road one night when he got a flat tire. He saw a cabin in the woods and began to walk towards it. He told himself that the person who answered the door would be angry, that they were going to be irritated for the interruption. In fact, Jack said the person would probably harm him. He was probably a truly terrible person. I mean, who else is going to live out in the middle of the woods away from everybody? So Jack convinced himself that the person who lived in that cabin was a menace to society. So when the door opened, Jack punched the man in the nose and ran away. Hang on with me just for a second. Because you see, I really believe that sometimes we think that that's the way God is. There's no way that when we go knocking on his door for help that he's really going to bless us. So instead of just punching God in the face, what we simply do is we just don't ask or we just run from God because there's no way God would want to bless us. But can I tell you, can I just remind you today that that's not God's heart? God's heart is that he loves to bless. Do y'all believe that? The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he comes, he who comes to God must believe that he is, now watch this, listen, and that he is a rewarder of all those who seek him. Not only do you have to believe that there's a God, but you, the Bible says you have to believe that he's a rewarder of all those who seek him. This is a God who loves to reward people with his blessings. God wants to bless, and he wants you to enjoy his blessings. He wants you to expect that he's going to do the impossible, and then when he does it, he wants you to take joy in it. That's my God. I don't know if that's your God, but that's my God. Be like Naomi and expect God to bless and then enjoy his blessings because he still does the impossible. Lastly, and very quickly, God may bless you beyond your inclinations. He may bless you beyond 
those intercessions, but then God may bless you beyond your imagination. He may bless you beyond your imagination. Do you, I'm preaching to somebody here today, even though I ain't got many in the, in the audience that are going to work with me. But, but I'll amen myself if I have to. I'm, I'm going to work up something here. Verses 18 through 22, as you read your Bible, they contain an abbreviated 10-person genealogy. But as one theologian said, perhaps the 10 names stand in contrast to the 10 infertile years in Moab. In this kind of genealogy, person number seven and 10 occupy the most important positions. Number seven is Boaz and number 10 is David. Little did Boaz and Ruth and Naomi, little did they realize that God was gonna do something impossible through them. God may bless and do something for you. He'll bless your intercessions. God may bless and do something in you. He'll bless beyond your inclinations. But then God just might bless through you and bless your imagination. When God does the impossible, it's usually greater than anything you and I can imagine. And here's what I want you to know. God may use you. Listen to me today. Put your name there. God may use Reggie. God may use Kyle. God may use you to raise up one who will lead God's people. Do you believe that? God may use you to raise up somebody to lead his people. Did you read it there in verses 18 through 22? This genealogy provides the royal ancestry of King David. And David was the greatest leader of God's people in history. Little, little did Boaz and Ruth figure out that when they conceived and gave birth to a son, he would be the leader of God's people. God may bless beyond your wildest imagination. Can I tell you this morning that you don't know who you may be impacting? You don't know what child you're going to raise and what they're going to go on to do. Teachers, you have no idea who you may be teaching. Coaches, you have no idea who you may be believing in. Families, you don't know who you may adopt, who you may invest in. God may bless you beyond your wildest imagination with somebody who will lead God's people. But then can I also tell you, God may use you to raise up one who will lead people to God. God may use you to raise up people who will, a person who will lead people to God. I want you to look with me in your Bibles, and I just want you to see here, we're going to jump over to Matthew just really quickly. I'm going to go to Matthew, and I'm going to read some verses. But I want you to think that they probably had no idea that through their line would come the Messiah, the Savior of the world. You see, if there was no Boaz, there would have been no Ruth. If there had been no Boaz and no Ruth, there would have been no David. And church, I'm here to tell you today, without David, there's no Jesus. Without David, there's no Jesus. We never know the difference we may make in people's lives and then the difference that they may make in other people's lives. Because I want you to see this in Matthew chapter 1. The Bible says, the record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Do you see it there? Verses 5 and 6 Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse. And you know who fathered 
who became throughout that. I want you to look in verse 21. And then the Bible says that she will have a son and she shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Right there it is, all the way through. For the sake of time, I didn't read it all, but all the way through you can see that God was blessing them beyond their wildest imaginations with one who would lead people to God. God may bless you beyond your wildest imaginations. It was one snowy night when all the other churches had shut down. A, a teenage boy plods through the, the streets in London. He was 16 years old, and he walked into a church in England on a very snowy, iced overnight, the preacher couldn't even make it there. So one of the lay preachers in the church got up and preached, and he simply preached on this text. Look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth. And Charles Haddon Spurgeon came to Christ that very night at the age of 16, and he was used to lead God's people, but also used to lead many people to God. Can God bless you beyond your wildest imagination? Yes, he can. One day, a Sunday school teacher walked into the back room of a shoe store and told an uneducated shoe salesman about Jesus. Jesus Christ saved that salesman and then used D.L. Moody to shake two continents for Jesus. Can God bless you beyond your wildest imagination? Yes, he can. There was a revival meeting in Georgia, and it was after that revival that someone asked if anything had really happened at the revival. The person said, well, it really wasn't too good. So the person said, well, did anybody get saved? The person said, well, I don't know. I don't think not many. Just one little nine-year-old boy is all we had come to Jesus. And beloved, I want you to know that nine-year-old boy's name was George Truitt. And he became the pastor of First Baptist Dallas for over 40 years and made a tremendous impact in this very state, the state of Texas. He led the people of God and he led people to God for almost 40 years. God may bless you beyond your wildest imagination. Can I get somebody here today to just believe with me Ephesians 3.20? Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. Do you believe that verse? Amen. That God can do above all that we can even imagine, church. He's not done with FBC. He's not done with the church in America. He's not done with Israel. God can still do what we think he won't do because God can bless beyond my intercession. God can bless beyond my inclinations, and God can bless beyond my imagination. Do you see what this genealogy is really about? This is pointing to Jesus Christ. You see, redemption is a key word which describes our salvation. But what is redemption? Well, let me tell you what Ephesians 1 verses 7 and 8 say that redemption is in a paraphrase. Redemption is the payment of the price of sin by the sacrifice of Christ, whereby he purchased the believer out of the slave market of sin and sets him free. Now, I want you to know we've covered it several times because it bears repeating. There are three things necessary for the kinsman redeemer to fulfill his role. The kinsman redeemer must be related by blood. In other words, he must be a match. The kinsman redeemer is someone who is blood related. He's a part of the family. 
And in Jesus, right here at Christmas time, we celebrate the fact that God became a man. He entered into the family of humanity and he became related to us in his flesh. He is God, but as our kinsman redeemer, he is human. And that's what this text is telling us. The second thing is the kinsman redeemer must be able to pay the price. In other words, he must be worthy. The kinsman must have the required funds to be able to redeem the property of the person. He must have the necessary means. Jesus was able to buy us back from the slave market of sin because he was the only one that had the means to do so, which was perfect, sinless blood. The price was Jesus's own blood, and he was the only one to pay that price. But then thirdly, the kinsman redeemer must be willing to redeem. He must be willing. As we saw in the law of Deuteronomy and Ruth, it is possible for the kinsman to refuse to redeem. Mr. So-and-so said, hey, I don't want to do it. So if someone is going to redeem, it will require somebody that has to be willing. Jesus was not only able, friends, but he was willing. He voluntarily gave up his life so that you and I could be saved. Now listen, I want to take you back to Ruth chapter 4. Boaz says, hey, friend, sit down here. You know what he said? He said, hey, I told you this. You just need to follow this with me. Made a big deal of it because I'm trying to teach you something incredible. Hey, Mr. So-and-so, Mr. No-Name, you do this, will you redeem? Mr. No-Name says, no, I can't do that. You see, no name can't save anybody. The Bible says there's only one name given among men by which we must be saved. No name can't save us. And no other name can save us. But it's only one name. The name of Jesus that saves. And when nobody else would do it, Jesus did it for us. Boaz had Ruth in his heart, and now he has her in his home. And since the beginning of creation, God has had you on his heart. And today, he wants you to come into his home. And the only way that you and I get there is to do what Ruth did. We have to simply come and just sit at the feet of Jesus and ask him to save us. That's all that we have to do. I wonder if you'd come, my brother. You see, Mr. So-and-so wouldn't fulfill the law. He was related and able, but he wasn't willing. But can I teach you one more thing before I close today? And, and this is just for all my theologians in the room. Boaz wasn't the closest relative. Do you know that? Boaz said, I I'm not the closest Mr. So-and-so you are. Can I tell you something today, just theologically, that we're more closely related to somebody else initially than we are to the Lord Jesus.
you and I are more closely related to the law. We're related to the law than we really are to Jesus because Jesus is the sinless son of God and Jesus was separate from sinners and you and I are related to this law and this law of God tells us that we're sinners and that we can't keep the law. But listen, that nearest kinsman, it cannot redeem you just like Mr. So-and-so wouldn't redeem you. It's not willing and it's not able and it's not even worthy to save us. The law can do nothing but simply tell us that we need to be saved. But Romans 8.3 says this, for what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. There was a legal way of obtaining redemption. It was done publicly and in front of all those witnesses. There was some spit and there was some giving up of clothing. And can I tell you today that the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was paying for our redemption, he was spat upon and some of his clothing was given up for our redemption. And he was publicly displayed as the payment for our sin and for everybody to see that Jesus is the only one who saves. And can I ask you today, would you come today and be saved, all of you, to the ends of the earth? That today is the day of salvation if you have never trusted in the Lord Jesus. That today should be that day. You may never have another day, church. Can I let you know today that you have to come and do what Ruth did to just simply come to the feet of Jesus. Now, I know what some of you may be thinking. There's no way I'm going to get up because you know our tradition. There's no way I'm going to get up. I'm going to stand to my feet and I'm going to come down and humiliate myself in front of all these people. I, I can see that. It's just too embarrassing, too embarrassing. But can I tell you today that unless you humble yourself, you cannot be saved. So I'm just asking you, would you allow Jesus to redeem you? Some of you today need to make that choice and you need to make that decision, but there are others of you in here today that listen to me. I know some of the struggles going on in your heart and you're saying, man, can God do the impossible in my life? He can. Some of you are in this room and I'm just gonna speak my heart to you for a second. I'm just, because I have to do this, I'm the pastor. Some of you are still bitter about what happened this summer. And there's only one who can take you from bitterness to blessedness. There's only one who can take you from saying, hey, my church used to be exciting and it ain't no more to now my church is exciting. There's only one who can do that. Would you come to the Lord Jesus and say, Jesus, today, would you do the impossible in my heart? Help me be excited about my church again. Amen. Some of you need to start the new year with a new life and with some new hope. So I wonder if you'd stand to your feet today as I pray.
There'll be some men and women gathered down here around the throne to receive you. If you need the Lord Jesus, come grab us by the hand. If you need to pray about anything, come pray with us. Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit right now, word of God, word of God, word of God, would you speak? Would you save? Would you redeem? God, would you call people unto yourself right now in a way that they just cannot say no? Turn brokenness to blessedness, bitterness to betterness. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You come.